In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. John chapter 6, verse 54. In the early 2nd century, around the year 135 AD, a pastor and great theologian wrote a series of letters to several churches while he was a prisoner en route to his eventual martyrdom in Rome. Like most Christians in his day, he was about to be executed, put to death by the government, not for his political leanings, not for any crimes of robbery or murder, but simply because of his faith because he believed in Jesus and in his word, he was put to death. And while on his way to his own death, this pastor, St. Ignatius of Antioch, he writes a letter to the church in Ephesus, the same church that St. Paul had written his letter to the Ephesians to. And it's in this letter that if anyone knows anything about St. Ignatius, it's this, what he wrote about the Eucharist, Holy Communion providing us a glimpse of how the early church viewed this meal, how she endured the fierce government persecution of her day. For on his way to meet his own death, Ignatius writes, Dear saints, the Eucharist is the very medicine of immortality, the antidote which prevents us from dying, which causes us to live forever in Jesus Christ. It's Ignatius who refers to the Eucharist as the medicine of immortality. The early church believed that, that flowing from this sacred meal, the participant received a healing medicine, and not just any medicine, but a medicine that healed all mortal wounds, even death itself. For the Lord has promised them, as he faced his own death, that whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So it must be firmly believed by every Christian in the face of all temptation and persecution that the Eucharist gives precisely what Jesus promises, eternal life. And that when you feed on his flesh and drink his blood, and the medicine of immortality comes into your body and blood, you cannot help but begin to live, and to live abundantly, renewed, restored, resurrected. Life. Almost six years ago, now, I sat down at my desk in my office, down that hallway in this church for the very first time, as a called and ordained pastor, a steward of the mysteries of Christ. And I found a note there made out to me from your previous pastor, Pastor Mackey, who faithfully tended to the flock here with the gifts of the Lord. On the note were some words of encouragement and some wisdom that he wanted to pass along and a few specific things that he believed I needed to know. As himself a steward of the mysteries of God, he wanted me to know the state of our homebound members and the last time that they had each received the Eucharist. On that list was a woman by the name of Ethel Gherkin. Many of you here today know her. Pastor Mackey noted beside her name 
nursing home in Stover, locked dementia unit. And then these heartbreaking words followed. Last Eucharist unknown, unable to commune her. And I wept for Ethel. I packed up my traveling communion case, my scriptures, and I drove to Stover. Ethel would be the first parishioner of Trinity that I had the pleasure of making a home visit with as a pastor. After about a 50-minute drive up and down the hills of Middle Missouri, I arrived at her nursing home a bit carsick and disoriented and stumbled into her room already a step outside of my comfort zone. Now, a few things that you need to know about Ethel. She was born in 1916, and it was then 2015, so that makes Ethel 99 years old. She was baptized on July 30th, 1935, right in the middle of the Great Depression. So suffice it to say that she had been cared for by a lot of pastors. She knew the drill. I'll never forget the first image of Ethel when I opened her door. She was lying flat in her bed, covered in a white blanket, her gray and white hair matted firmly behind her, flattened from the lonely hours in that white-walled room. Her hands were laying one on top of the other, on the middle of her chest. Her shocked eyes were wide open, fixed above, staring at the ceiling above her, but yet really not at anything at all. I never really knew what she was looking at. I nearly forgot to introduce myself to her when I pulled up a chair and I sat next to her bedside. The room was cold. The air was a bit stuffy. But it was the sound of the room that made the hair on your neck stand straight up. You see, Ethel's mind was broken very badly. Her body was worn and tattered from 99 years of living, and her voice had faded into nothing but a low cringing, constant groaning, which filled every square inch of that room with a painful longing of inexpressible lament. There were never any audible words. I could never tell what she was saying or if she was trying to say anything at all. It was painful to sit beside her, as it is for anyone who sits besides one badly broken in a hospital room or nursing home. I tried to explain to Ethel why I was there. I'm your pastor, Ethel. Jesus sent me to you to care for you. But Ethel was not interested in my introductions or explanations. The groanings only continued, a constant undercurrent filling the room, and her eyes locked above with intention. She never even looked at me, never shifted her gaze. She wasn't much interested in me at all, and actually, it comforted me a great deal. It's always stressful as a pastor when people look to you to wow them, or to amaze them, or to make them believe or feel or do anything, rather than to their Lord and his simple words and his simple gifts as the sole source of their longing and craving and desiring. On that day, on my very first visit with a parishioner of this church, I didn't really know what Ethel longed for, but it certainly wasn't my presence, and that was a very good thing. 
So relying on my seminary training that was fresh off the press, I resorted to my training in situations like this one. After some more time of listening to her painful groanings, I began to read well-known passages of scripture to her loudly, slowly, and as articulately as my Missouri draw would allow me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But Ethel just kept groaning. Nothing changed in her. So maybe she was very hard of hearing, so I began nearly shouting the familiar parts of the liturgy, the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, but none of them snapped Ethel out of whatever she was looking at or groaning about. I began to panic a bit because nothing was calming her and all my training was quickly unraveling in the face of real-world ministry. I began spiraling and in my panic, I decided to do something that I had never done before. I sang to one of Jesus' sheep. I sang Jesus loves me as slowly and as loudly as I could to Ethel. And she hated it, I think. Well, her groanings only increased substantially. She seemed rather irritated, and I certainly did not blame her. It was about that time that a nurse came in. She probably heard the screeching from outside the hall and thought perhaps a dying cat had made its way into the room. I immediately stopped my singing in a cold sweat, and I looked at the nurse, and I asked, Nurse, how... How is Ethel doing? The nurse looked at me and said, She's 99 years old. She's not there anymore. She hasn't been there for a long time. I looked back at Ethel, her painful, unintelligible groaning still ever constant, her eyes still locked straight above her, And so I did what any highly trained professional would do when confronted with a situation like that. I bailed. I just left Ethel all alone in that cold, lonely room. And all the way home and throughout the days and nights of my very first month of ministry in this place, the devil taunted me and tempted me a great deal over that visit Last Eucharist unknown, unable to commune her, and I never even offered it to her because I was too shaken. So when it was time to go see Ethel again, I went to her determined more than ever to give her the medicine of immortality. Once again, I stumbled into that nursing home. I read Psalm 23, the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed. I sang, Jesus loved me. I, I loves me. I, I sang all eight verses of I know my Redeemer lives. And all I heard from Ethel the entire time were those same restless, unrecognizable, deep, painful groans which ebbed and flowed, rose and fell. Her temperament slowly worsened from frustration to to sheer and utter disappointment and bitterness. All throughout the scripture readings, all throughout my prayers, all throughout my singing, Ethel continued her strenuous groans. But I wasn't about to leave her without at least trying to give her the sacrament of the altar, so I pressed on with the liturgy. 
And when I spoke these words, it is truly good right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God. Ethel suddenly stopped groaning. It was the first time in over two hours that the room was suddenly silent. Goosebumps started to rise on my arms, and I continued with the words of institution. All the while, Ethel never made a sound. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also after supper, he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, this cup. is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I held up the body of Christ to Ethel's mouth, and she raised her head off that bed, and she ate it calmly, slowly, peacefully. I held up the blood of Christ, and she drank it to her soul's delight, like a mother embracing her infant for the very first time. And after she received that medicine of immortality, Ethel looked directly at me. She looked right into my eyes, and she spoke with such a firm conviction and peace of which I had never witnessed before in my life. God bless you, Pastor. I wish that nurse who had told me Ethel wasn't there anymore would have been there to see Ethel there in that moment with her Lord. 99 years old in a locked dementia unit with a mind badly broken by sin, and yet she knew all she needed to know. All she needed to live abundantly. Jesus Christ crucified for her, and that medicine of immortality, which he graciously gives to us as a gift of his body and his blood, it did something that day to Ethel. It made her live. If not but for a brief moment in an otherwise dreary and forsaken land, she lived abundantly. I am sure of this, that all of Ethel's groanings, even in her diseased-ridden state, had been her longing for that very medicine, her longing for the one who had promised her that my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink, and whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, I will raise them up on the last day. Over the next two months, I would go see Ethel and we had our own way of communicating with one another. We would r rub our foreheads on each other like you would with a, a toddler, two-year-old. She was so overjoyed when I came. The nurses would ask, are you her son? And I'd say, no, I'm, I'm her pastor. And, and one of them in the cafeteria, she witnessed our interaction and she saw Ethel take communion. She stopped and she goes, this nurse, she goes, 
She seems like she knows you. She doesn't communicate like that with any of us, and we've known her for years. And I just had to say, she doesn't know me. She just knows her Lord. Only the Lord knows just how many miracles he has worked through this heavenly medicine. I could tell you many more stories just like Ethel's, but we would be here the rest of the day. Suffice it to say, she was the first of many that I have seen as a pastor in this place. If only you could see just how much the Lord does for your life through the eating of this bread and the drinking of this cup unbeknownst to you. How many, how many diseases he has spared you from? How many illnesses he has cured you from miraculously? How much life he has restored in your soul through this medicine of immortality by faith? As Luther famously said during the Great Plague, when everyone was worried about spreading the virus at communion, trust Christ and take a big gulp. Imagine for a moment, in the light of our day and age, if our government could provide you, I don't know, let's say, with a vaccine that could cure you from a particular illness. Maybe it's depression or dementia, or cancer, or even the flu, or I don't know, the coronavirus. This is just hypothetical, of course. Now, I bet if there was a medicine that could cure, 100% cure any illness, the whole world would line up for that shot, willing to sacrifice all things, willing to wait for hours, if not days and weeks, in their cars to receive such a medicine. Yet here, Jesus Christ, true God and true man, he comes freely in your midst, promising far greater things, a medicine that endures to eternal life, immortality, resurrection on the last day, and the world passes on by. We pass on by as if we do not need it. If the world ever believed what Jesus said, then I'd imagine Trinity Lutheran Church would need a lot more than just the National Guard to organize our parking lot on a Sunday morning. People would be lined up all along Highway 71, up clear past Kansas City, willing to sacrifice all things, their own homes, their own jobs, all things in order to have even the opportunity to taste and see that the Lord is good. But you, dear saints, you have made the trip. And while there was very little hustle and bustle to get here today, do not be deceived by what your eyes tell you. There are legions of angels among you who usher you to this house every Lord's Day. Myriads and myriads of angels and archangels and all the company of heaven who gather with you around the Lamb who sits upon his glorious throne, all so that you may receive from him what he alone provides you, the very medicine of immortality that will raise you from the dead on the last day. 
if the world could see with their own eyes the angels among us, if they could see the miracles which the Lord graciously works for his people in this Eucharist, it still wouldn't make one bit of a difference, you know. Even if all which the Lord has done for you in this meal would be made visible to your eyes, it still wouldn't make one bit of a difference for the one who doesn't believe. For then we would just be living by sight and not by faith. But the Christian lives by faith and not by sight. The one who sees but who does not believe is no different than the Roman guard who sees the very resurrection of Jesus from the tomb with his own eyes but yet does not believe. See, our Christian faith, the very gospel itself, the sacraments of God, the mysteries of Jesus, everything about following Jesus depends on faith and faith alone in God's word. For the one who has faith in these words, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, has precisely what they say. Resurrection and eternal life on the last day. One day, your body, it will be cancer-free. It will be disease-free, sin-free, freed from death and the power of the devil. Isaiah the prophet saw the day and he rejoiced in it by faith and faith alone when he proclaimed these great and mighty words, that on this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken." And it will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.